Hey, my sister's secrets listeners. I'm Claire Harvey, the editorial director of The Australian and one of the creators of My Sister's Secrets. Virginia Tapscott and I caught up to chat about what's been happening since our latest episode. It's in our daily news podcast, The Front. Every day in The Front, we bring you The Australian's journos talking candidly about their stories. This is our latest episode featuring Virginia. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, August 11. Chinese ambassador Xiao Tian has flagged a potential re-education process for Taiwanese people following reunification with the mainland. Taiwan regards itself as an independent nation, but the ambassador has warned Australia there's no room for compromise over Beijing's One China policy. We hope that Australian side could take China-Australia relations with serious attitude. Take the One China principle seriously. Handle the Taiwan question with caution but without discount. In an address to the National Press Club, Mr Xiao said Taiwan was just as much a part of China as Tasmania was of Australia. It comes as Beijing releases a new white paper on Taiwan which keeps alive the prospect of retaking the island by force. Mr Xiao said there could be no invasion because Taiwan was a part of China. COVID-19 deaths in residential aged care have increased by a weekly average of nearly 40% since May. That's when the Albanese government was elected on a promise to fix the crisis in aged care. The winter Omicron wave saw 165 people die in care in the week to August 5, and 176 the week prior. Attorney General Mark Dreyfus wants the states and New Zealand to form a united front on criminalising coercive control and sexual assault. It comes as business groups warn the government it's bungled the legislation that would create 10 days of paid domestic and family violence leave. Industry and the opposition say the law is much more costly and complex than what was recommended by the Fair Work Commission. Plus, in just a moment, tennis superstar Serena Williams says she's retiring. So where does that leave the sport and Serena herself? Tennis legend Serena Williams has called time on her remarkable career. The 40-year-old announced she'll finally hang up the racket after next month's US Open in an op-ed for Vogue magazine. If she wins, which, let's face it, she probably will, it'll be her 24th Grand Slam title. Jessica Halloran is the Australian's chief sports writer and joins me now. Jess, Serena's regularly called the GOAT, the greatest of all time. She's been part of the game since she was 14. So just how good is she? I think she's the greatest athlete of all time. You'd have to put her up there with the likes of Don Bradman, Pelé, Tom Brady. And I think in that column that she wrote for Vogue, she said that some people might not rule her as the GOAT because she didn't get to Margaret Court's record of 24 Grand Slam titles. But look, I think it's undeniable that she is definitely the greatest tennis player of all time. There's a very sort of old-fashioned and kind of tedious uh, dispute about whether men's or women's tennis is harder. Yeah. And, you know, what do you think about that? 
I absolutely think that women can play for five sets, in my opinion. But I also think that what Serena has overcome off the court as well as on the court has been nothing but short of remarkable. This is a woman who was breastfeeding while she was playing. She was pregnant when she won the Australian Open in 2017, unbeknownst to anybody. She battled postpartum depression and she played. Now, in that column in Vogue, she also said that she believes she should have won at least 30 Grand Slam titles. And I don't disbelieve that she could have gone on to win 30. Now, in the column, she described herself as evolving away from tennis. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it's like a conscious uncoupling from sport, isn't it? <laughs> and this whole idea of evolution, it, terming it evolution, is because she hates the word retirement. She abhors it. She says that, you know, Ashley Barty seemingly retired on her terms just recently and so did her good friend Caroline Wozniacki. But no, she doesn't want to retire. She hates it. She's just such a fierce competitor. You have no doubt she would want to keep on going if only she didn't want to be a mum, which is what she's talking about. She's got a daughter already, but she wants to have another baby and she's turning 41 and the time is now and so she has to choose. Has Ash Barty's retirement influenced Serena's decision, do you think? No, I don't think so. I think they're very different athletes. I think that you could see Serena and hear Serena in press conferences when you went. Like, she would do anything to win. It was never the opponent that was better on the day. It was just that Serena wasn't the best and she would say that herself, like, I didn't perform. Mm. And I think that Serena is a -a once-in-a-lifetime athlete. I think physically I did pretty good. You know, I think the last couple points I was really suffering there and just winning some of those points is always something mentally that you have to have. I did pretty good on maybe one or two of them, but obviously not enough. Some of the older men are still hanging on. Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic. What is tennis like without Serena Williams? Oh, they've just lost a a superstar. She was just this amazing draw card. The way she played, the power she had, the showmanship she brought to the court was exceptional and she was always bringing people through the gates. Is there someone in women's tennis who's the heir to that legacy? Um, It's hard to point out a superstar right now, to be honest. The likes of Coco Gauff and, of course, we had Naomi Osaka recently, but nobody likes Serena. And, I mean, the Williams sisters in general were just an extraordinary coupling, weren't they? We haven't really seen any other sisters like that come through a a sport like they did. Watch me hit a few balls. All right. So tell me your names again. I'm Venus. I'm Serena. We saw last year as NFL great Tom Brady retired after Mm. 22 seasons that it is possible to unretire. So... Is this it for Serena, do you think, or do you think she might oh, do anything? Oh, I wouldn't put anything past her. You know, if she's calling it an evolution, maybe she'll evolve <laughs> again back to becoming a tennis player. Who knows? Look, she's so determined to get that 24th Grand Slam title. Don't write her off, I say. Jessica Halloran is the Australian's chief sports writer. 
One of the biggest hit podcasts of 2022 is My Sister's Secrets. It was an investigation led by journalist Virginia Tapscott into the secrets in her own family. Virginia made it with Steve Jackson, Leah Tsamoglu, me and others here at The Australian. It was a really powerful examination of the secrets in all our families. Virginia Tapscott joins me now. Virginia, how did you go about persuading your family members to open up to you and to sit down with a microphone in front of them, which does really change the dynamic? I think we talked about this really early on, Claire. I knew I wasn't going to be able to be that persuasive with the subject matter. It was really just a case of people wanting to help me make sense of losing my sister, but everything that came before that. And I'm still blown away by that. I wasn't twisting anybody's arm. It's just amazing. I think a lot of the time in our lives, we just don't ask questions because we just think, oh, I'll just save that person. They might not want to answer me. But just like so often people will just answer you and they will say, you know, I want to help you. That was one of my big take home lessons, I think, of all the things I leave unsaid that possibly I should have just said something. I feel it's my fault that I couldn't see what these men were capable of. If you could change it, go back and I'd change everything. Your sister Alex had been sexually abused as a child and raped as an adult by two male relatives who've still not been brought to justice. Alex died in a motel room in 2020, just when things seemed as though they might be getting better for her. She had a successful career as a vet and was about to start a new job. I'm interested, Virginia, that your instinct at the time of losing Alex was to turn to your journalism rather than to retreat from it, to retreat from the story. Was that a choice that you came to slowly or did you know instantly that you wanted to use your voice about Alex's passing? I think wanting to speak up and use your voice is a reflex that a lot of people get, probably just most people don't have a platform that they think will be beneficial to express that on. And finding some sort of way to change the cultural situation that we felt was largely responsible for Alex's inability to get help while she was alive was at that point the only relief that we knew we would get. And that's when I'm saying we, I'm talking about my mum and I. I think when you feel like someone you love has been hurt very badly, I feel like most people want to do something. It's just that not everyone has access to these platforms and they don't have the luxury of devoting, you know, a lot of time to these sorts of conversations. I also felt that it was an obligation as well that if you are in a position to say something and the impetus is there because you're very hurt and you know you can see the um, error of the situation and what needs to change, that you should. You'd written an amazing piece about Alex and about your determination to speak up, which did incredibly well on The Australian. It was one of our most read stories of 2021 and generated huge numbers of comments and engagement. 
So I knew that the podcast would be successful. Did you know? Did you know that people wanted to listen to this story about Alex? I still am very surprised at the consistency of the listenership. At the time when it was number one in the charts and things, that was strange for me. But it just is an indication of how prevalent the issue is because so many people relate to what we were talking about or know somebody who has been impacted by child sexual abuse. That is what's driving the listenership, I think. And so to me, that is an indication of how prevalent it is, which shouldn't be surprising, but still is, um, even for me. It really sparked people wanting to tell you their stories and to share with you what had happened to them, often things that they hadn't shared with anybody else. What was that like, receiving all these narratives from strangers who, who felt a connection with you? I think there is such a strong compulsion, which is part of human nature, to feel understood. And... People who live with child sexual abuse and the impacts of that rarely, I think, ever see an opportunity to feel understood. I wanted people to understand fully the circumstances that had led to this happening. I didn't want to be sort of brushing over things and just ignoring things like we'd done for so long. And, yeah, a deep-seated compulsion to feel understood. It's a finalist in the Kennedy Awards. How are you going to feel going to that ceremony? You sort of don't want to enjoy it too much because of the subject matter, but I suppose we did put a lot of hard work into it. And I guess at the end of the day, Alex would, without her pain, this would have been what she would have wanted. But I think when people have um, lived with and dealt with that degree of trauma, it's much harder for them to do what I have done. So I think I've got to just shrug off that part of me that feels sad that this is why we're at the Kennedys. (laughs) But yeah, just be proud of the hard work that we put into that to get a very important message across. What do you say to the people who want the past to remain secret? Well, that's only protecting the men who've hurt Alex. Keeping secrets hasn't worked out well for us. So we're not doing that anymore. Virginia Tapscott is the creator of My Sister's Secrets. Come back to the front tomorrow for all the best of news, politics, business and sport. And check out our journalism anytime at theaustralian.com.au. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.